Good morning. Are we awake here? Good morning. All right, we're letting it shine today. Come on. It's, uh, it's so wonderful to see so many familiar faces, uh, folks who are involved in all different facets of civic life in the greater Haverhill area. It's great to be here with you this morning. Um, it really is a privilege to be here in this wonderful and joyous service, a uh, service that has been dedicated to a man who is a hero for many of us, Dr. Martin Luther King. The imperfect man that had the moral clarity, fortitude, and strength to awaken a nation. A man who I believe was the greatest American. One who brought this nation leaps and bounds closer to the idealism that was written in our founding documents. The idea is that all men are created equal and that we are all endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But Dr. King awakened this nation to its false promises, hypocritical and contradictory laws, and cruel racial norms. And while today the entire nation recognizes him with monuments and a holiday, let us not forget that the most important Americans and most Americans at the time did not approve of Martin Luther King prior to his death. A 1966 Gallup poll said that two-thirds of Americans had an unfavorable view of Dr. King before he died. His favorability further declined when he started talking of economic justice, advocating for a guaranteed livable income, jobs, and sanitary and decent housing. Talk of guaranteeing these principles earned him the title of radical by many whites. Yet at the same time, many in the black community called him a moderate because of his steadfast commitment to peaceful protests, avid determination to negotiate and engage in politics, and perhaps most importantly, his vision for a poor people's campaign that included everybody, including poor whites. This earned him the negative connotation of moderate by his black and brown sisters in the struggle. I've always believed that moderation is not always responsible for stifling progress. However, the question of moderation and pragmatism versus the promise of bold and swift action often crosses my mind, not only because I'm an elected official, but as an active citizen. Early on, I found myself asking, is this worth the limited political capital? Is this battle worth risking and losing the greater war on inequality in our society? The truth is that we often find ourselves falling into these false choices. King spoke of moderation and this false choice. He said, quote, if moderation means moving on toward the goal of justice with wise restraint and calm reasonableness, then moderation is a great virtue which all men of goodwill must seek to achieve during this tense period of transition. But if moderation means slowing up in the move for freedom, capitulating to the undemocratic practices of the guardians of a deadening status quo, then moderation is a tragic vice which all men of goodwill must condemn. Despite the immense weight on MLK's shoulders, he persevered the pressure, endured the hate, and cultivated the courage to build a coalition of conscience. Our society today requires the, cult the cultivation of another coalition of conscience. This period of transition, our America today, requires both reasonableness in moderation and the urgency of bold action. 
In the fight for urgent action, the question that often arises surrounds cost and fiscal responsibility. Yet in many cases, the cost of inaction, the cost of injustice today, is merely a deferred expense with deepened interest tomorrow. True fiscal responsibility is an investment in justice today to prevent the financial and social costs of inequality tomorrow. Inaction that ignores injustice is not only morally intolerable, intolerable but it is fiscally irresponsible. And we can prevent injustices. A nation that can go to the moon and invent the internet should be able to adopt solutions that prevent one out of every three black men from going to jail and one out of every six Hispanic men from going to jail. A nation in a state especially like Massachusetts with some of the best universities in the world should be able to ensure that all families have a hygienic and stable home, putting an end to this housing crisis, a housing crisis that has fomented a form of legalized segregation in our society. A nation that commits to educating all of its kids should not pit middle-class homeowners against the students who go to schools with leaky roofs, dangerous lead levels, and school bathrooms without soap. We should end the dependency on property values to fund our educational values and responsibilities. A nation that ple pledges the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness should not turn around and tell a sick patient, sorry, we don't accept your health insurance. And finally, the nation that proclaimed to the world, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, must not turn around and say, only your European masses. After decades of benefiting from the blood, sweat, and dreams of Latinos and many other immigrants of color, we live in a time where the fabric of our republic is being tested. The strength of our democratic institutions is getting a run for its money. Foreign powers and those who wish ill on our country deliberately believe that the only way to demise the United States is by dividing us and breaking down faith in our institutions. They believe that diversity leads to our collective demise. They believe that diversity is a problem. They believe that diversity will lead to our ultimate downfall. But these efforts are foolish and disregard any belief that humans of all colors, creeds, and continents can live in harmony together. And the truth, as we all know, is that diversity is our strength. Diversity has always been our secret weapon, our ticket to the future, our insurance policy on maintaining a youthful population that can replenish Social Security and the labor market. Diversity is not a one-way street. It's not just a nice thing to have. It is both a humanitarian principle and a strategic advantage to our society. Diversity produces inclusion, which yields active engagement, which yields better decisions and more just outcomes. Without this secret weapon, the United States wouldn't have benefited from the migration of refugee scientists fleeing fascist oppression in Germany, scientists who came and produced the Nobel Prizes and advanced our knowledge of physical sciences for, for years to come. Without the strength of diversity, we wouldn't have the spur of immigrant entrepreneurship that is responsible for almost half of Fortune 500 companies. Without the strength of diversity, we wouldn't be who we are today. And while immigrants represent 13% of the population, they deliver 15% of the nation's economic output. As the Hamilton cast say, 
immigrants, we get the job done. In these times, we must unite as brothers and sisters of diverse backgrounds, ages, faiths, and cultures to build that coalition of conscience that Dr. King often talked about. That coalition envisioned black, brown, white, Americans of all colors coming together to unite for economic justice. Today, many talk about the need for unity, especially in the, in the political space. And I'm the first to say that without unity and struggle, we fail to break the bounds of the status quo. Even the well-intentioned person that is not interested in collaboration is just an independent vessel floating on a perceived journey to justice alone. They are the self-righteous who travels to a lonely island of self-satisfaction. Only a fleet of united ships rowing in the same direction can lead us to an authentic journey to justice, one that will ensure that all of God's children make it to shore. Yet we must be cautious of those who call for unity for their own sake, those who wrap themselves in the flag of fake patriotism to protect the status quo. There are those who say we shouldn't question our president because it's not patriotic. Those who say that highlighting the inequities in our schools is counterproductive. I'm with you, I'm laughing too. <laughs> and those who say that talk of income inequality is class warfare and should be rejected with unity. The most patriotic thing that an American can do, in fact, is question the status quo and demand justice for all of her brothers and sisters. We must be keen on discerning where unity meets purpose. Our national motto is rooted in unity, e pluribus unum, out of many one. And our founding documents give purpose to that motto. Our purpose for being out of many one, as noted in the Constitution, is to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty. We must be united now, perhaps more than ever, in order to fulfill this purpose, those promises that were made centuries ago and still go unfulfilled. And while it is exhausting and it's not easy, this work is difficult, we're witnessing the most diverse Congress that has ever existed. We're witnessing progress. We're seeing residents of long neglected, the long-neglected Mount Washington neighborhood right here in Haverhill show up and speak up at city council and school committee meetings. And because of the un unwavering spirit of organizers, we passed the most comprehensive paid family and medical leave bill in the country last year right here in the Massachusetts legislature. Progress is possible. But let us not confuse progress as a, a mere result of time. As some believe that only time, patience, and the promise of a new generation can deliver progress. Dr. King noted this. He said, time itself is neutral. Change does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability, but comes through conscious struggle. But what exactly do we mean by conscious struggle. There are three action items that I humbly ask you to take home with you today. The first is to commit to what I call the uncomfortable act of cultivating conscious in spaces of privilege. For example, all of us in this room hold some sort of privilege and access. We have access to spaces that might be unique in our society. 
It is in those spaces where we have the opportunity to make the plight of powerless people known. And it takes courage to speak up in those spaces. It's not easy, especially when what you say could be off-putting. And we can all probably think of a time at work or a social gathering where a person of privilege might have said something racist, sexist, or ignorant, yet we froze and we failed to speak. I know that in the past I have failed in these moments. These moments may be rare, but your decision to speak up can have tremendous ripple effects in a society full of echo chambers exacerbated by social media. The second action item is to reflect on what more you can do to bring a sense of urgency to address growing and systemic inequality. And I know that many of you in this room do so much on that issue already. But today I'm asking you to dig a little bit deeper. Reflect on how our collective actions, but also our individual power and privilege, can give urgency and agency that produces a day of greater equality and justice in our society. In that process of reflection, find purpose. Some may find purpose in a cousin that has been in and out of the criminal justice system, or a daughter with disabilities, an aging mother with dementia, or a neighbor whose kids attend an unsafe or unsanitary school. And finally, I ask that you commit to share and encourage power. This democratic society only works when we all participate. If we truly wish to build a society that respects the dignity and promise of all people, we can only get there by ensuring that each and every American is participating in that democracy. All of us in this room can be as passionate as we want about social and economic justice, climate change, healthcare, labor laws, you name it, but we cannot expect to move on these issues while less than half of Americans vote in federal elections and less than a quarter of Haverhill residents vote in local elections. And so I ask you today to commit to tending to the garden of our democracy. It is only then, when we cultivate conscious, reflect with purpose, and build shared power, that we will realize the dream that is written in the book. The day where every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low, the uneven ground will become smooth, and the rugged land a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. Thank you, and God bless you.